0: Welcome to another edition of Rediscovering the Indies, an independent wrestling history podcast. I am one of your hosts, Chris Gello, joined alongside production extraordinaire, Jonathan Ash. Hello. And uh, we have a fun, uh, what looks to be a multi-part edition here for you on Rediscovering the Indies. Um, First off, we got a lot of great feedback on the episode for Terminal Championship Wrestling and how fitting. That, uh, was that, that we were do that episode that would happen in pretty much the same month that Cody Rhodes left AW and was possibly going to WWE. And we kind of talked about dusty, you know, going off and trying to do his own thing and all that. And that's what I originally thought Cody was going to do. And now we're talking, we hear the WWE rumors, but, but, uh, it was, a uh, quite a timely episode to have uh, with Turnbuckle Championship Wrestling being the first time Cody Rhodes, uh, was part of a wrestling show as a referee, but, uh, We're going to do something I've been wanting to do since we started this idea. Um, Unfortunately, he did pass away uh, in late 2021, but Burt Prentice, a big fixture in independent wrestling, um, promoted many promotions. And we're going to kind of get to a deep dive into that. Uh, But before we do, make sure you follow all our social media, um, RTI Pod on Twitter, uh, Facebook and Instagram is Rediscovering the Indies uh make sure too that you know like our friends uh, podcast precinct they help us put these shows on as well as the bicbp radio networks we want to thank them as well um but yeah we'll kind of get right into it here and just kind of give you a little bit of a uh precursor to when we get into the independent run of Burr prentice but uh want to get into what he did before and uh This is actually a little bit I got from uh, our good friends at Post Wrestling, John Pollock, when he wrote the article about the passing of Burr Prentice. But uh, he goes, Prentice was the youngest of 10 children born in 1958. His mother was working in the box office for Vergane and other groups in the Midwest, which allowed Prentice to be exposed to the industry as early as six years old when he sold pictures and eventually did ring announcing at the age of 11 and refereeing by 14. His on-air persona largely consisted of his managerial run as Christopher Love, which was a name given when he started in Joe Blanchard's Southwest Championship Wrestling in 1983. He was brought to the territory to write programs, but was later given the manager's role and linked with Tully Blanchard. And the year coincided with Southwest losing its television on USA Network in favor of WWF's All-American Wrestling Program. And it's kind of basically where we leave off where then he goes, you know, we don't have a ton of... 80 stuff Um, But he helps out in Memphis uh, As well as Global Wrestling which we'll talk about a little bit too But um, anything else you want to Touch on that before we kind of get into the nitty gritty here Ash
1: No uh, I think that that was a good uh, Summary there Um, Observers Old observers from the 80s are kind of uh, Hit or miss With a lot of that stuff so There's really not much out there uh, For him we really Got the meat of the matter, everything in the 90s, and that's where it really took off with him actually promoting uh, his own shows and going from there.
0: So we'll kind of get right into it here. So it's it's funny, the Observer uh, has him as Chris Love or Christopher Love until probably what about the mid 90s? And then he becomes Burr Prentice. So uh, when we say Chris Love, it's Burt Prentice. It's just, I'm just reading off what we have here, but we'll get right into it. Uh, January 14, 1991, uh, this is from The Observer. Uh, apparently, Chris Love's UCW in Kansas has folded, and Love Will Stay in Kansas promoting country, western shows, and, L- and work LPWA. So we don't have a lot about this UCW. Um, I have heard about it. And he runs in Kansas again, which we're going to get into a little bit. But uh, already, w- we're going to do a counter one promotion already. Nineteen ninety one. So he he is. So folks, you're going to be surprised how many promotions he actually did promote for. But one promotion already in nineteen ninety one. Um,
1: and there March- are on, on on if you do search uh, YouTube and Google, there are uh, videos from UCW. Nothing. Not a lot oh, of that cage match, yeah. There's there's one of him selling t shirts uh with a phone number at the bottom, more of like an infomercial video. Um infomercial commercial. Um so there's stuff out there. And also as we get through here, uh when I went through the notes of the observer, uh he regularly ran TV. Uh so a lot of his stuff yes. a lot of this has is out there. Uh tape traders have had his feds out there for decades, so it's he not like um lost. It's not like something where it's lost time, like some of our other uh topics here.
0: He definitely had syndication connections.
1: Oh yeah, you know, and and
0: that's probably something he learned, you know, as a kid, learning from Southwest or even before Advert and all that. AWA had a huge syndication network, um, in the late seventies, early eighties, early eighties. So like syndic, and I re- I remember. Seeing Music City Wrestling and Music City Wrestling is going to be down the line in in, in this deep dive, but I remember seeing Music City Wrestling like on in Buffalo.
1: So right. yeah, and yeah, he worked for all those. He worked for a lot of companies that pioneered syndication and and had that system down pat, especially the USWA, which we'll get into, that basically had that system in place for decades of bicycling a tape around the territory and making the connections with local stations and just being able to cultivate that system during that time
0: here is an interesting note I'm glad you put this in here Ash because it is it is him promoting but promoting something just a little bit different. Uh, on March 4th 1991 Chris Love is promoting something other than wrestling a April 5th concert by Tammy Faye Baker her first concert since her 1989 convention yes the infamous Tammy Faye Baker um I believe they actually uh they have a a and sh- the eyes of Tammy Faye which is i believe a TV show
1: uh well, I think it was um, a movie wasn't
0: it Or it might be a movie yeah it's uh, it's, it's one of those, it's definitely something that's very new, um, but uh, yeah, I <laughs> never thought we'd be talking about uh, Tammy Faye Baker on this show, <laughs> but here we are,
1: <laughs> but yeah, so you can country tell- concert did happen too.
0: <laughs> one thing I want to I point out is the entrepreneurial spirit of, of Burt Prentice, always promoting, and here's, you know, hey, maybe UCW doesn't work out, oh, country concerts, and he's always got to be promoting- Um, March. Oh, go ahead.
1: Um, give me a second. I did just find, uh, an article about that. Let me, uh, hold on. I'm getting the, uh, the, Hey, you need to subscribe. Okay. Um, so an article that was published April 2nd, 1991 by the Tampa Bay Times, uh, mentions the concert in Wichita, Kansas. Quote, there is something about this woman that just fascinates people, said Chris Love, manager of the Crest Theater, where Mrs. Baker will perform the gospel singing concert. That's why even after being away from the spotlight for a year or so, she's still so hot, Love said. Uh, all $818 seats of the Crest sold out quickly. Most are bought by out-of-towners. So, uh... Yeah, uh... I love how, I love how he's
0: using his gimmick name in a news article as a promoter of a venue. Yeah.
1: And, and I don't know, like, obviously, like they did well if they sold out. Like, I want to know, like, how did he get the connection with her?
0: Why did he just not keep just doing this? I mean, wrestling's tough financially, man. Yeah,
1: exactly. <laughs> he, like
0: he should have just kept running these concerts. Um, yeah, it was a, the Eyes of Tammy Faye is a movie. You're right, Ash. Uh, that got released in September of 2021. Um, so I don't think we get a, a a a nod to Bruce Prentice in that movie, unfortunately. Um, March 11, 1991, the LPWA taped uh, February 28th in Laughlin, Nevada, as Lalani Kai and Judy Martin won the tag titles for Misty Blue Sims and Heidi Lee Morgan. Reggie Bennett, Big Mo, beat Mrs. X. Peggy Lee Leather, in a non-title match. The rest of the regulars were there minus Medusa, who was entangled in a legal battle with her management company and missed the taping but is supposed to be at the next one. Uh, Norman, uh, so Norman Alunzic Mike Shaw, was at the taping and did an angle with the queen, Christopher Love, who stole a stuffed animal and is holding it for ransom. Um, th- that angle would be done years later with, uh, it was really, it was with Cole Cabana and, Ch- and Sean Spears and OBW <laughs> and it was very good. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm for a kidnap stuffed animal <laughs> angle. Um, so you could tell here he's, you know, getting involved with the LPWA, um, doing the managing thing. Uh, and still trying to find that that next breakout for promoting. And here we have it. April 8th, 1991, Chris Love promoted shows in the Kansas area with Norman, Mike Shaw, Machine Gun, Magliano, Joey Mags. I'm going to go back to that. Randy Rhodes doing a Buddy Rose gimmick claiming to to weigh 226 pounds. And Candy Divine, among others. Del Wilkes, formerly The Trooper, is in as a heel called Master of Pain. Mark Starr is coming in, as is Ken Patera and Adrian Street. All right. So first off, Master of Pain didn't. It, well, that was like Taker's gimmick in, in 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 USWA, wasn't it? Yes. Or Memphis. Yeah. CWA. Yeah. Okay. That's confirmed.
1: Now, I mean that shit g- isn't out of the ordinary. Like USWA would do that. Like a lot of Texas feds would do that. Just you reuse gimmick names, and make make fans think it's the same guy. Like that's part for the course back then
0: now you know nothing against the guy you know he's he's no longer with us i actually he's probably one of the best enhancement talent of all time but the name jumping joey mags is probably one of the lamest names ever and here he is machine gun magliano why did he never use that
1: i want to know was he like a was it a mafia gimmick i i, that, I guess like but how that's a pretty him? sweet name did he have a violin case as he walked out to the ring?
0: <laughs> oh man, it, it, yeah the j- jumping well, <laughs> the, that was who did that? Um, oh, who was the guy that would do that in uh, Smoky Mountain? Oh, uh, with the violin case, Killer Kyle. Okay, Killer Kyle, yeah, Killer Kyle would have the violin case, but yeah, Machine Gun Magliano. Joey Maggs, man, but you were jumping, I guess. <laughs> so, no, uh, and uh, Joey Maggs, uh, you know, he, he died very young, 39 years old. Probably would have been a guy, if he was still around, living, he probably would be still working, like, the Jersey circuit and stuff. Stuff like that. He always stayed in great shape, it seemed
1: like, so. Uh, he'd um, definitely be doing some clusterfuck battle royals. <laughs>
0: Uh, April 15th, 1991, Chris Love is promoting a tag team tournament in Wichita, Kansas on May 10th and May 11th. Uh, July 22nd, 1991, uh, this is from uh, Global, uh, July 12th. The Global Dome drew 700, which that was a sportatorium, right? Yes. Okay, Jerry Lynn versus Randy Rhodes. Which is funny because Rhodes must weigh 285 pounds, but Chris Love came out with an affidavit claiming Rhodes was 227 pounds. And while Love and the ref were arguing whether or not it was legal, Lynn got Rhodes from behind in four seconds, then Terry Daniels, Terry Garvin, and Tatum won. Um. By the way, I'm pretty sure that's Terry Garvin, Continental Terry Garvin, not...
1: Terry Garvin Sims. Yes, yes. yeah.
0: Um. But... uh. I I, kind of like that. (laughs) I have this signed affidavit that he only weighs 200 and something pounds. I I, I don't know about you, Ash, but my favorite is the guys that aren't cruiserweights that, like, do the cruiserweight, like, that try to join the cruiserweight division.
1: That still works. Uh, There's a local guy here in Western New York called Big Cat Lemmer who did that gimmick in several companies where his doctor signed off. This guy's... About 450 pounds.
0: I remember Matt Hardy office, doing it. was, it. It was like so good. Um, August 5th, 1991. The global office staff appears to uh, be Petticino as promoter. Bill Irwin, Chris Love, and Bill Edie among those work in the office. So here he is. So far, in, in eight months, he's gone from folding a promotion to promoting country concerts to managing in the LPWA, to running shows again in Kansas, to now working in the office for Global, in eight months. Oh, this okay. is why this guy is fascinating.
1: Just, you've you've you haven't read the notes yet. Wait, <laughs> it gets. Spooky. I know we're only in August.
0: We're <laughs> only in August. Um, August nineteenth, 1991, Global ran its first real house show on August eleventh at Wichita, Kansas, with Patriot versus Bill Irwin on top, and Chris Walker and Steve Simpson versus the Pyts. Randy Rose and Eric Fontaine managed by Chris Love. I assume he was the local promoter of that being in Kansas. Oh yeah, I can uh, definitely
1: I can almost guarantee that just because Global never ran house shows as, as said right there, but they're doing one in Wichita. Like definitely he he brought Global to his hometown.
0: Three title This is August 21st, 1991. Three titles change hands on the August 12th show at the Mid-South Coliseum in Memphis. Jerry Lawler reigned uh, regained, I'm sorry, the USWA title in a match where he put up his hair, beating Awesome Kong. I'm assuming this was the Kongs' uh, finish. Uh, manager Reggie B. Uh, Fine tra- tried to throw power. I'm sorry, Fine tried to throw power at Lawler, uh, who ducked, and you know how that goes from there. After the match, Lawler went to throw fire at Fine, but missed by a mile. But Fine sold it anyways. Oh, I love Reggie. Jimmy's fine. Uh, whether When they tried to show the clip on television, Lawler even had to explain the miss by saying how some of the parts of the fireball did hit fine. While he was trying to explain all this on television Saturday morning, out came Chris Love, who was working here full-time except for Fridays when he worked for Petticino in Dallas. Love said that he, Lawler has been world champion in, for the AWA and world class and that because of Lawler, both groups went out of business. Love said that he was working for both groups, and they when they went out of business. So it's Lawler's fault, as he was in the unemployment line. Well, at least it's a novel approach. Love said he's bringing in the Dragon Master, who he said was seven foot three, which guess rules out Ken NakaSaki. Maybe it'll be Paul Bunyan for for Global. Greg Rollins, who that was. Um, so now with it, now he's working for USWA. Yep. And here we are, September 6 1991, Chris Love quit Global to work full-time with Jarrett and took Eric Fontaine with him. Uh, August 19th the Mid-South Coliseum in Memphis saw Jerry Lawler beat the Dragon Master, who may be Paul Bunyan, a.k.a. Canadian Giant, but we're not sure, uh, managed by Chris Love to keep the USWA title. So now he quits Global, now huh? he's at USWA.
1: But all the we're... Global was one night a week. <laughs> I mean, I, you probably just didn't want to do that drive from Memphis to Dallas. I mean, because you got to be at TV at like 10 in the morning. <laughs> yeah,
0: so imagine you're running late at the sportatorium. you're probably not getting out of there till midnight and and and, and this is I'm, I mean imagine all the talent that had to do this when USWA was a split territory
1: oh during during that era, uh Jerry Jarrett had a bus. they chartered a bus that would take people to Dallas on Fridays and then drive through the night to get them just to get them home in time. But like, so, yeah, this is this is definitely after after they split. So like you he's not getting a bus, he's not getting a plane ticket.
0: So six hours and forty one minutes is Dallas to Memphis, roughly, right? So you're get let's say you get out of the sporatorium eleven o'clock, may at, at the earliest, but probably midnight, right? Probably midnight. Then you if you're driving You get into Memphis like 7 a.m. If you drive throughout the night, you don't stop for food or anything. And you probably have to be at the studio at 9 at the latest. Yeah. (laughs) You you don't sleep. If you're driving. I mean, obviously, if you're on a charter bus, fine. But you don't sleep. I don't blame him for quitting. (laughs) Yeah.
1: I mean, considering money. Considering the money in global was pretty much non-existent, yeah. When, when we break so, it down so, like that, yeah, that makes sense.
0: According to some people, so was the money in USWA as well. I, as Steve Austin said to be one.
1: I I've, I heard Bo James. Bo James once explained. It. I I don't remember what he said. The minimum was, but like, if you're working every night of the week, you're making an okay living. Like you're not getting rich off of it, but you're not starving.
0: Um, September uh, 9th, nineteen ninety one. A uh, couple title changes on the September second card at the Mid South Coliseum in Memphis. Build is Star Wars ninety one. Uh, Jerry Lawler regained the USWA title, beating Dragon Master. Still not sure who it is. Do we, I wonder? Do we know who Dragon Master was? Dragon Master had won the title the previous Monday when Lawler had him up for a body slam, but manager Chris Love scooped out Lawler's leg and Master fell on top of the pin. Um, September 16, 1991, Chris Love is now managing the PYT's Eric Fontaine and Randy Rhodes, who are feuding with USWA tag team champions Jeff Jarrett and Robert Fuller. On television Saturday, Fuller and Jarrett brought out Ronnie Gossett as a babyface manager to counter Love, and he got a big pop, including a belly-bumping argument between the two and a brawl which saw Gossett give Fontaine a splash. Have you seen this?
1: Yes, actually, I rewatched it this
0: morning when I was doing this. This is, this is great. Yeah. <laughs> R- Roddy Gossett and Christopher Love was money. <laughs> like,
1: um There there was a lot of uh like non PC stuff that was being said in that interview in that promo. Yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> but just the like these two managers are more over than anybody else.
1: Yeah. <laughs> like the, the crowd is the heel of I mean that's for people that are not familiar with the Memphis territory, that's basically what Memphis was. Like, Jimmy Hart was the top heel. Yeah. Well the top heel it's it's something like like and it's an idea that has been replicated elsewhere. Cornette replicated in OVW where you just the top heel is a manager and he'll just bring in a new person once a month, a big monster to work with Lawler. Lawler's is the top babyface. Your top heel is rough is a manager, and yeah, you just had the rotating cast of people and you didn't have to constantly consistently keep building a new challenger for Lawler when it was literally just Jimmy Hart or years later, like they it's this rotating cast of talent that would come in and, and work and they already had they had immediate credibility, but Memphis was also a talking territory where your promos and Saturday morning were nine times out of 10 more important getting fans in the building than actual wrestling.
0: Yeah, I mean that's a, that 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 morning TV show, which did great ratings for them, almost to the end, like a seventy
1: share. It was huge. I mean, I if those numbers are out there, it's something you and you and Thurston should actually look into. Do a I,
0: I, I've been pitching Russell history. I know, like that's something that like, uh, Bix has got to do with him too. But yeah, I, I want to definitely do ratings history. Because it's so,
1: fascinating when you look at like Memphis. Did like a 70 share, which would have been, what, 70% of all TVs in the Memphis area were watching wrestling. Like, that's pretty impressive.
0: All right. uh, October 7th, uh, 1991. Lots going on here. Chris Love was fired on Wednesday, although I got no idea what the story is, but he took Eric Fonte with him in the PYT's teaser history, although Randy Rhodes is still in the area as a singles wrestler. So on television on September 28th, Eric Embry brought out a new tag team called the Texas Outlaws, Jeff Sword and Doug Vines Under Mask, who previously wrestled there as the Barroom Brawlers and lost a bunch of Loser Leaf Towns matches not that long ago. And they won the USWA tag titles from Jeff Jarrett and Robert Fuller when Billy Travis hit Fuller, with the guitar so in october now he's been fired <laughs> well october 14th
1: and random tag teams and masks that's, that's yes. done before in memphis
0: october 14th i didn't want to. apparently chris love tentatively quit rather than be fired as was reported here last week taking eric fontaine with him so who's who, who's telling the truth here <laughs> um november 4th 1991 christopher love of uh P.O. Box 2201, Hendersonville, Tennessee, 37067. They would just put out addresses out there on the Observer back in the day, folks. Is selling his entire collection of wrestling items dating back to the 40s, along with rig robes and a wrestling uh, um, ring and trailer. So, ring robes, wrestling ring trailer. Um, it probably had a pretty good collection, especially the territories that he grew up in. Yeah,
1: this, um, this was in the, uh, the back part of the Observer where uh, the tape trading section. Where back in the day, if you were a tape trader, you were looking to connect with other tape traders. You're sending the notice, you're sending a letter, and Dave will list it there. So this was just in that section, in this edition, in this week, and I just thought it was interesting that looks like he needs money, maybe to start a new wrestling fed.
0: <laughs> that, 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 I didn't even think about it. Yeah, that's 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 pretty smart.
1: See what gets said next week.
0: November 11, 1991, Jerry Lynn and Chris Love are said to be starting to run shows near Nashville. Um, I wonder if him and Jerry stayed in touch over the years. Um, you know, he definitely featured Jerry a lot when Jerry was on that like super indie run. Yeah. Um, November 25, 1991, uh, the November 15th show at the Dallas Moratorium drew 775 fans for three hours of a television taping. Be- the show that... I'm sorry
1: oh that would be global
0: oh yeah global yep yeah and the show that airs on december 10th on espn has sam houston over buster blackheart tug taylor and terry garvin over barry horowitz and ed robinson and mr M- mr mystery which is Chaz, beat tom davis via dq when mike davis interfered Chaz pulled off his mask at the bell Taylor, his father, and Garvin made the save. ESPN show for December 10th has Horowitz pinning Terry Daniels. Horowitz is now billing himself as the winner, Barry Horowitz, and will probably never win another match and continue to do jobs in WWF television as well, most likely. Mike and Tom Davis beat Rick Guerin and Jordan. Payne pinned Houston. Samantha attacked Houston a few times early and was banished from ringside, so Chris Love returned as Payne's manager. Love interfered, leading to Payne's win. Um, so now here he is, he's back in global. Uh, but I got, I gotta say, I, you know, people talk over the years about wrestlers that were booked to be like top stars, like in a company that, that like, it just befuddled people. What about Chaz and global? <laughs> like Chaz and talk more, talk about Taylor, like. All these great wrestlers of the Texas Territory and all of a sudden Tugboat Taylors is this legend from the Texas Territory?
1: A hometown hero, bro. Oh, December 12th 2nd, I'm sorry,
0: 1991. Global, November 25th at the Sportatorium has the Patriot versus Scott Anthony for the North American title. Um, that's Raven, right? I believe so.
1: Uh, yes.
0: Uh, Tatum and Price... Def- the tag titles against simpson and mystery partner lightning kid sean wallman versus Chaz for the light heavyweight title davis brothers versus garvin and taylor in a cage match sam houston versus bull pain felt i kind of want to watch that actually uh falcone versus Irwin. uh young versus horowitz and chris love is scheduled to debut the tag team a bad company chris champion and pat tanaka although supposedly tanaka has no idea about any of this Probably because he's like, why is Paul Diamond not in it?
1: <laughs> what was Paul... No, Paul Diamond was still in WWE at the time, I think, wasn't he?
0: Yeah, but what... D-d-d- so, t- yeah, he right, because he did Max Moon.
1: Yeah, but even before doing Max... Tanaka was gone
0: separately from him.
1: then. Yeah, but I think Paul Diamond was doing jobs on Superstars and Wrestling Challenge and probably working the C shows around that time. Um. Let me try let me look that up. Yeah, he was still in uh Yeah, he was still in WWE at that at that time. Um let's see. Oh yeah, he was just working house shows. As Kato. So he was still into the mask. Okay. Here's El Mazador defeats Kato, Greg Valentine defeats Kato. <laughs> Ah, uh, Big Boss Man defeats Kato. Ah, uh, the New Foundation of Jim Nutter and Owen Hart defeat Kato and the Brooklyn Brawler. Well, those it's are private
0: wrestling. It's the only way to go out in late eighties, early nineties WWF. Yeah, got to put everybody over on challenge and uh, house shows. Yeah. Um, this is the last note from nineteen ninety one, December 9, nineteen ninety one. Chris Champion and Pat Tanaka didn't debut this week as Bad Company, managed by Chris Love, because Love was hospitalized over the weekend from the flu so what 1991 he you know and i i did a little recap earlier but we'll just add everything in context he promotion folds runs concerts with, uh promotes concerts including tammy faye baker shows up at lpwa as a manager runs shows in kansas uh debuts in global gets in the global office works uswa quits global full-time to work for USWA, quits or gets fired from USWA after managing and doing angles with their, um, st- thinks about starting a promotion with Jerry Lynn, returns to global wrestling <laughs> all in one year. <laughs> hey, I know this episode's going to blow up, and I, and I don't mean to sound cocky, but this episode is going to blow up because people people couldn't believe how fascinating Roland Alexander really was or Dale gangner when we did those episodes um this is this is a very interesting guy yeah like he 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 did a lot in this wrestling business um and just look at his 1991 that would be someone's career just having all these things going on <laughs> uh January 6 1992 is we're in 1992 now LPWA canceled it's December twenty eighth, taping in Panama City, Florida. The last minute due to lack of money. Torberg is now again looking for new investors. Chris Love had been in Panama City for several weeks, passing out thousands of free tickets. Supposedly they're still planning a February pay-per-view show, although no television building up to such a show has been taped. Um so he's I want
1: right <laughs> now.
0: I want to do a sidebar about pay-per-view. Like how ECW struggled to get on pay-per-view in like 96 and 97 and 95 where in 1992, it seemed like anyone could get on pay-per-view LPWA is on pay-per-view her Abrams, UWF is on pay-per-view and there's definitely some other and nothing gets the promotion, but they didn't have the money or production value to really put on a pay-per-view show.
1: I think, I think it was just at that time when like pay-per-view was just expanding that you, you had networks that just, or you had pay-per-view companies like in demand and preview that wanted content. Um, and they knew wrestling was hot. And also like WWE was kind of going down. Vince had his own issues with cable companies and pay-per-view companies trying to extort them for more money. So I think a lot of the pay-per-view companies just looked for, Look for alternatives, And at the same time, like they're like, oh, wait, this company is offering us a better percentage than what Vince McMahon is. Let's let's try for this. And wrestling was still rather new in the mainstream with a lot of the TV companies, so they probably didn't understand how wrestling worked and thought like, oh, everyone's going to draw as well as Vince McMahon. As we could tell later on in the early 2000s, when like Dusty Rhodes claimed he had a pay per view, and we obviously didn't believe that
0: yeah and there was you know there was a lot of those one-off like the world wrestling legends and all those other approaches that tried, that did pay-per-views and, and it was one and done um heroes of wrestling and uh, and you know that of the ilk um january 27 1992 uh global and chris love is history once again
1: um so he's fired one more time <laughs> yep February 17,
0: 1992. Chris Love is scheduled to run Saturday night shows in Kaufman, Texas, using a lot of the Dallas area wrestlers that work for Global. Because in 1992, all Dallas needs is another promotion, right?
1: <laughs> yep, and
0: Because I mean, at this time, there's like four to five promotions running the the Metroplex.
1: Yeah, um, that we know of. Yeah, um, yeah. Kaufman is outside of. Dallas, suburban Dallas, I would say. Um, so yeah, that I think you could kind of make the correlation there that he's no longer working for Global. Doesn't say if he quit or he's fired, but now all of a sudden he's starting his own company that probably was fired from Global again.
0: Um, February twenty fourth, nineteen ninety two, uh, Chris Love announced shows. On March 6th in Belton, Texas. And March 7th in Paris, Texas. With Bull Payne and Sam Houston among the headliners. And then we have March 2nd, dude. Chris Love Show on February 22nd, Kauffman, Texas. Drew 227 fans. Headlined by Terry Daniels winning a battle royal. Rod Price beating Steve Simpson. And Stephen Dane beating Daniels and prelims. So I mean, that's the thing. These were the same talent that everyone else is using. Especially Rod Price and Steve Simpson and Stephen
1: Dane. (laughs) <laughs> just the same issue we have now in wrestling things never change um uh, but yeah like these feds like this is the thing like i looked through the torch i looked through cage match i couldn't find any other results i couldn't even find the name of his company like his fed that he was running during this time so these are really, uh, like, under the radar and what, what
0: would we count this promotion number three because <laughs> there's that those kansas shows that weren't ucw
1: yeah so
0: this would be promotion number three
1: Yeah, that he's that he's running himself, yes. Yes.
0: Yeah. Promotion number three that he's running himself. We're one year in, guys. Uh (laughs) Um just a little over a year uh april 13th 1992 uh gary student events big d pro wrestling booked by chris love runs every sunday night at a converted roller rink in dallas on april 5th Made events all eric fontaine and jimmy james and miss judy the promoter's wife beat awesome kong and ray evans and cj not the one from memphis uh april 12th has chads or sean stevens formerly kenny the stinger um, no wonder he changed his name. Uh, Bull Payne versus Tug Taylor. Uh, the Blackbirds, uh, which is King Parsons and Ashton Jackson versus the Fat Boys, who spent something like a week in Memphis. And Dane versus Terry Daniels and Fontaine and James versus Kong and Evans. Sam Houston and Baby Doll are booked for the April 18th show in Kaufman, Texas. But don't take that uh, to mean a reconciliation. Um,
1: my 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 educated guess is that those earlier shows were Big D pro wrestling but i can't say for sure because again there's no records of them but everything like what we just read matches up that it probably was
0: yeah but it looks like those call co- that he was doing his own thing and big d was probably like hey come be my
1: booker yeah like i said it's possible um
0: because big d would have been on the shows and that's the thing i don't announce here he was he was a wrestler too named big d <laughs> well
1: wrestling uh-huh. that cause that's why he's not running in the big d he, he, it's technically accurate because he is big D and he is wrestling on the show. So that does count. Um,
0: April 20th, 1992, big D pro wrestling on April 12th in Dallas included. Awesome. Kong tugboat, Taylor, Steven Dane, the blackbirds, action, Jackson, King Parsons, Sean Stevens, formerly Kenny, the stinger and Chaz Taylor. Uh, John Tatum takes over for Booker from Chris love next week. John Tatum has another Texas so wait, Chris, uh, Chris mainstay. Love
1: does, Chris love was the Booker. Uh, like several weeks earlier, and now he has someone else taking over. Yep. Oh, he Fire.
0: He's, he's got to move on because Chris Love is promoting his own show at Fair Park in Dallas on May 9th with Marty janetti Steve Simpson, Ronnie Gossett, Bill Dundee, and Bull Payne. He also has a show on April 18th at Kaufman, Texas with Eddie Gilbert versus Stephen Dane and Sam Houston versus Awesome Kong as the double main event built Fair Park is that is that not where the collective is?
1: Yes, it is. How? how I want to know if it's like thirty years later. I 30 need thirty years later the exact same venue because Fair Park is the the state fairgrounds and has multiple buildings, multiple exhibition halls. So I need to find out if it's the same, the actual building. It's on. It's the same campus at least.
0: Yeah, when you're when you're working production that week, you be like guys. We are in the same place that Kenny, the stinger wrestled in
1: (laughs) my resume. Yes.
0: Uh, Uh, Big, big, like yeah. so yeah, like bull pain, awesome Kong, Sam Houston. The, the, this is your typical Dallas big D, uh, global, um, I, there was a bunch. I, I, I can't even think of all the the Dallas promotions uh that were that were around um but uh let's see here Oh man
1: I mean everyone oh. had their own like Ken Mantel had his own Elk Embry had his own like everyone ran something at one point
0: So Kenny the Stinger was also known as Vito Mussolini It's Kenny the Striker too what was his name um it's very weird, but they don't have Cage Match does not have him listed as Sean Stevens. Uh no, he uh he was in a tag team with Guido Falcone, uh called the Sicilian Studs. Um there's a match where he lost a Firebreaker Chip in nineteen ninety nine. And in two thousand he's teaming again with Guido Falcone against Gravedigger and Hellhammer. What is
1: yeah, there's a uh a WF Superstars listing here for March nineteen ninety six. The Sicilian studs, Grito yep Falcone and Vito Mussolini defeat question mark.
0: Yeah, yeah. There's it's a
1: Christie, so it, it's not Barry Hardy.
0: <laughs> no. It, it 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 could be um oh, who was the who was the guy that was a fake doink? Oh. Apollo he, Ray Apollo? No, no, no. He was a fake doink. He was like uh, one of the first guys to do it. A legendary uh, enhancement talent they had. It, Dusty it, Wolf. It, it, yes, Dusty Wolf. Was probably, Dusty Wolf's probably
1: on the show. Um, Hold on. Let me, I can wait too many windows open. Um, March 10th. Let me look that up. Let me look at History of WWF because they sometimes have more information on there. Um... Nope, it's, they say, defeated two unknowns. And also Mankind defeated an unknown. So, yeah, results for Corpus Christi's kind of, uh... kind of scarce. there. I mean, they did have Devin Michaels and Bo Vegas, know, as High Voltage, defeating Alex the Pug Porto and Rod Price.
0: And I got very excited when I looked up Kenny the Stinger because the first thing that pulls up is Kenny Chaos... And I'm like, is this a 1991 Kenny Chaos? Or 1992 Kenny uh,
1: Chaos? According to History of uh it lists for the same show I'm talking about as Steve Sawyer, parentheses, Bart Sawyer, defeating Book Brawler. Wow. It's, it's very
0: interesting that they would do that. Um. All right, so... We'll move on here to May 4th, 1992, um, where we get a note about the May 9th. Dallas Fair Park Arena for Chris Love has a show with Marty Jannetty, Steve Simpson, Bill Dundee, Tug and Chaz Taylor. So he took them from Global, uh, Bull Payne, Stephen Dane, Awesome Kong, and more. That is definitely a shot at Global. (laughs) He's like, I'm going to take your top top talent there. Um, Chris Love's first championship wrestling from Texas show. Drew three hundred seventy-five. So, can we count this as promotion number four?
1: Yeah, it technically, is a different promotion if it's a different.
0: <laughs> it's, it's promotion number four uh, in Dallas, Texas, with Marty Jannetty pin, pinning Billy Joe Travis in a top-notch main event. Also, California stud Rod Price pinned Sean Stevens. Stephen Dane pinned Jeff Gaylord. Tom Powers won the group light heavyweight title for Mad Dog Billy and Chaz, and Tug Taylor double count out with the Pyts, Eric Fontaine, and Dwayne McCullough, aka Awesome Kong. Plus prelims. Uh, next show is scheduled at the same location on June 13th, and the plan is to run weekly shows starting in July or August. Interesting uh, that headlining the July—I'm sorry, June 13th show will be the Patriot Del Wilkes, who was the closest thing to a national star that the old JWF was able to create. Patriot vs. Travis Playboy Vince Apollo, managed by Freddie Fargo vs. stain Taylor's vs. Pyt's, Stud versus Scott Braddock, Sean Stevenson vs. Steve Simpson. This group in its program talked of Jerry Lawler's world champion and claims it will be bringing in outside talent. Um, a lot go a lot going on there. Um, de- definitely you could tell like th- this is to to get it global.
1: Yeah, and then uh, yeah, just. Booking the majority of global talent on there, and I also think it has just—it's also to get get at Big D Pro Wrestling, which uh, this this is May ninth, and they drew three hundred seventy nine fans. So I'll let you go ahead and read the next paragraph.
0: All right. Yes. Yeah, so uh, um, May eighteenth. Oh, yeah. So so we we have it here uh, from Big D Pro Wrestling. <laughs> Drew 95 fans on May 10th in Dallas as Stevens beat Tatum via DQ and Travis beat Stud via DQ. Plus Gary Young pinned pin Action Jackson and Parsons pinned Dane and Jimmy James beat Mr. Outrageous Ray Evans. 95 people Big D was drawn.
1: The same weekend, too. So Yep. Chris Love did Three. 380. Big D did less than 100.
0: Everybody's just going for that Texas market. Yeah. Um. June 1st, 1992, the future of the Global Wrestling Federation appears bleak. A misreport uh, around Dallas that the Sportatorium owner Jared Alford will be kicking the group out of the traditional Friday night home of wrestling in Dallas in favor of Christopher Love's Championship Wrestling of Texas promotion. The decision was apparently made at a meeting this past Tuesday night, with Love and three of his associates meeting with Alfred's daughter, who is in charge of all the Sport Dreams affairs. Alfred had cut Max Andrews a sweetheart deal after removing Kevin Von Erich's ill-fated attempt to resurrect World Class Championship Wrestling in 1990 of one dollar per paid admission. In recent weeks, this that has meant that weekly rent has been less than two hundred dollars. Love is claiming that he'll promote up to three shows per week. Besides his CWT group doing American style wrestling on Friday nights. He's also planning running all women's shows, tough man contests, and Lucha Libre cards on a regular basis. In addition, love is negotiated with WCW about doing joint productions at the sportatorium starting in September. Uh, the date of Andrew's final show at the sportatorium is expected to be determined at a meeting to be held sometime this week, but is not expected to be any longer than another four weeks before he's done. There have been talk of Andrews moving shows to a smaller location, but with a traditional style uh, or traditional site and night. Um, The shows in another place will be hard pressed to even equal the minuscule attendance that they've been doing, and it's questionable ESPN would continue to use the tapes in a less television-friendly building. There have been rumors going for several weeks that ESPN eventually will going to switch its afternoon daily format to attempting to once again use old tapes with bigger name stars. Rather than the more current na- no names that GWF was using. Oh, the glory days that ESPN would show wrestling in the afternoon on the weekdays. Um But a lot to talk about here. Uh we've we've heard this on other podcasts and, and all that about the sportatorium. And it was what you would get a dollar per ticket, right? Or rent. You paid you paid you paid the sportatorium a dollar a ticket for rent. Which is a really good deal. Yeah.
1: I mean tickets probably were no more than 10 dollars a person at that point maybe even cheaper
0: so i mean if you you pack 300 people in there yeah you're paying 300 dollars for rent but you're also you know you're not having a, money. No you're you're not at all you got 300 people going there and then i think i think i i forget what the concessions was i w- i think that was a split too i can't remember i remember like listening to i think Jerry recently talking about it but the concessions were some part of the deal too
1: I wouldn't want to eat the concessions at the sportatorium.
0: <laughs> um Yeah, you hear all stories about the rats and everything,
1: right? There are rats in the deep fryer. <laughs> they didn't change the deep they didn't change the oil in there for since the world class days.
0: Um So wanna talk about that. Uh um stealing the Sportatorium, that's a that's a pretty bold move. Uh wanna talk about that he plans to run not one, not two, but three wrestling promotions and a tough man contest. So he wants to run a women's promotion, a Lucha Libre promotion, and championship wrestling for Texas.
1: So here's the thing. Um, he That could have worked. Maybe just the all-women's shows. Not during that era. Um, because women's wrestling was mostly just what you would see on GLOW. There
0: wasn't a lot of strong enough workers at that time. And the best... The majority of the best women's wrestlers at that time were in Japan.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So he, it, that might not have worked. Um, Lucha Libre definitely would have. I think if you, if he could have
0: 100%, 100%,
1: especially in, in Dallas, if he would have split it up to do Lucha Libre cards on a Thursday or like a Monday or a Tuesday, like an off night, it, it would have drew, it would have drew fans.
0: We talk in 2022, and all these stacked shows that are going on WrestleMania weekend, and I think the the I think the Gringo Loco show, Lucha show is going to steal the steal the weekend. Oh yeah, I, yeah I, it's it, a, you super know, show. um,
1: and Psycho well, Clown and Dr. Wagner working uh that weekend too, like that's a big draw in yeah. Dallas.
0: I mean, he knew he he knows the market there, and he he was he was smart to to want to do that. It probably could have worked, um, because I don't even know if they ever had ever had Lucha Libre at the Sporatorium. I mean,
1: I don't not a not a regular. Fact. No,
0: I mean, I I I think World Class would, would bring in bringing but I'm not sure. I'm sure they did. I'm just I'm just winging that to be honest. With you. Um, I know he did Houston quite a bit. Um. So, there's that. Now, uh, another thing I want to talk about is WCW doing joint productions at the Sportatorium. Who would have he had known in 1992 with power to even have that conversation? Because this is, this is Kip Fry, right? Um, Kip Fry would, with Ole or Dusty booking?
1: No, Bill Watts would have just taken... Bill Watts would have took over.
0: Bill Watts was there by... June?
1: Yeah, he was there he's okay. in May of ninety two. So okay. Watts would have but, started. Uh um, so Watts.
0: But but Watts, yeah, like I their paths never
1: crossed. Ridley Smith would have been there if Watts was there, I think. He would have had some kind of connection to someone there, obviously. Kip Fry might have been gone by that point. He was only there a short time. He was only in charge for a short time when there was no one else between like the Jim Hurd and Watts era um
0: yeah that that's just that's very interesting um
1: that the maybe through Petticino yeah 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 because Petticino, with Peti- connection with w-
0: Petticino and- totally had a lot of connections w- yeah that might have been um but he was also trying to he was going at global, so who knows? <laughs>
1: <laughs> I yeah, that's
0: but it was also Max Andrews global uh, at this point. Um, but uh, yeah, so d- just back where you were talking about, um, yeah, I, th- I don't know if that would have worked. But WCW at that point, point 2 wasn't drawing big crowds, so running something small at the Sportatorium probably
1: would have been a better bet. I mean, I I would have. That's something that I think Watts would have jumped at. Like, no yeah. one else would have. Bischoff never would have do a
0: clash of the champions at the sportatorium.
1: Like Bischoff never would have jumped at that. Jim Hurd never would have jumped at that because they had the, the mindset of TV. Watts was stuck in the 70s and had that mindset of keeping it small and the tradition. So he would have definitely jumped at that.
0: Yeah. And do Stan Hansen versus Sting. There you go. Boom. There's your main event.
1: Um. Well, no, I would have did Freebirds. birds. Like you would have brought in the free. Birds. Uh, you're
0: not putting them on the main. Not a ninety two.
1: <laughs> At the sportatorium? No, you do uh Dr. Death and uh Terry Gordy, if anything. Okay. Uh, let them main. Because then you're still getting one of the free birds there. Um They wouldn't have got Carrie though. They wouldn't have gotten any of the Von Eric's.
0: No, yeah. No. They, they, well, maybe Kevin for a one shot. Maybe. But as I'm, as I'm learning, listening to Jeff Jarrett talk about world class and all that, uh, Kevin Von Eric, no showed a lot back in the day, <laughs> a, a lot, um, uh, june 8th 1992 uh they're continuing to push the main thing that being the promotion versus promotion feud angle with global as the heel promotion threatening to take over mike samples who was last week on television as the president of global and this past wednesday worked as a television jobber for wcw in anderson south carolina wasn't on the show this week however burt prentice chris love going by his real name was this is the first time he's burt prentice
1: yep and uh I, i forgot this is the uswa yeah, something Um I didn't actually I left off uh the actual title on some of these in the notes.
0: The gate was up to 8500 about 1700 fans. So, you know, Memphis still not doing bad in 92. Um okay. even though we are in a decline in the wrestling business. I mean, for for Memphis that in that that's that's pretty good in that time period. Uh, on May 26th, for the double main with Jerry Lawler versus Marty Jannetty, who no showed and was replaced by Stephen Dane, uh, and any Gilbert versus Jeff Jarrett. The Gilbert versus Jarrett match was Gilbert deliberately hitting the ref for the DQ as Jarrett was coming off the top rope. A major argument ensued because USWA rules, which should generally be ignored in summer situations, are that a title can change via DQ, but global rules are different. A big argument ensued, and Guy Coffey, playing a subtle heel USWA promoter, ordered that the belt be given back to Gilbert because the match was under global rules. Prentice came out and announced that the GWF had signed a new tag team, the Moondogs, and they no longer work for USWA. Coffee came out and said that can't happen because they are the USWA's tag champions. Uh, it was then that Moondog spike Bill Smithson is being taken out of the tag team as going to be a singles wrestler and will take Lawler's title so Global can gain control of all the belts. This is pretty much the direction of the ninety ninety one 91 and the B- Booker stuff. So that tag team would be Cujo and Spot, Larry Keene, and Larry Booker. Pez Wally came in as Jared's partner against the Moondogs for this week because he had said he had heard what Global is trying to do and wants to help. Uh, Lawler then did an interview on television and argued with Prentice uh, about what Global was trying to do. He then claimed Prentice didn't even know Marty Jannetty, who had no show Monday legit because he had legal problems and who showed up on television. But Ginetti, who told Lawler he was behind the times.
1: Um, And I want to mention, if it's not clear, that uh, him and Mike Samples are playing the Global Representatives in a promotional feud when they were not working for Global and Global did not uh, authorize or send talent for this feud.
0: <laughs> it, it was almost payback for, for, uh, back in, you know, Petticino getting Jared involved with the first, uh, with the the fake investor. Well, Petticino didn't know, it wasn't his fault, but Old the. Yes. Yeah. He was duped, you know, and Jarrett was excited about it because at that point, Jarrett just lost a lot of money in Dallas. And was like, all right, here we go. This could help. And Because I think he, he wanted to make global like the NWA. And Memphis was going to be one of the, the main spots.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's something that Jarrett always tried to do as well with like buy- USWA yeah. and buying, uh, uh, buying the Dallas territory from Fritz. Uh,
0: June 22nd, 1992, and behind-the-scenes news in Texas uh, regarding the tenants of the Dallas Sportatorium. Events of this past week make things look better, at least for the present, for Max Andrews and the Global Wrestling Federation. Broke Prentice, Chris Love, who is running an angle in Tennessee, where he's part of Global, has been telling people he was about to get the rights to promote in the Sportatorium when Andrews would be removed as a tenant. So think, guys, he's running, you know, everybody listening here, he's running, um... (laughs) At, against Global and claiming he's with Global in Memphis. Uh, but if, but a few weeks back, uh, instead of Andrews being evicted, he instead was given a new rate structure in that rent would be a flat fee rather than $1 paid per admission he had been paying. Some thought the added rent would end up with Andrews voluntarily moving out. However, he was recently put together with a new backer, a Dallas attorney, whose name hasn't been released, who is adding some capital for a two-month period. According to reports, Andrews will continue to pay for the local talent, while the backer will pay for payoffs, and transportation out of the area for out-of-area for area talent. However, the backer is only committed to doing this for 60 days, and one of his provisions is that Gary Hart be brought into Global. Because of this, Prentice backer had pulled all his support. Temporarily, according to Prentice, Prentice backer has expected that he will be running traditional Friday Night Sportatorium shows, which at least at this present doesn't appear going to be happening. Because of that, Prentice's show on June 19th the Fair Park in Dallas has been canceled. But like your backer's there for the sportatorium shows. Why are you canceling your fair perk show <laughs> um but Gary Hart is a name that you know people either loved him or hate him in Dallas It seemed like uh if if he came into a promotion um but like w- w- what I like and so I find fascinating about this I find fascinating about this whole thing is is that you know i I came into this episode like. Want, you know, wanting to really talk about this as a promoter and exciting, but we're also getting to talk about all this crazy Texas stuff. All this global and Big D and and, and the sportatorium, and I didn't expect to be this heavy on it, and I, I'm liking it. I don't know what your thoughts are on that. Uh, just the fact that this is... There's a lot of Dallas drama here.
1: Yeah, and uh, it just picks up with a lot of uh, Tennessee drama as we go forward.
0: (laughs) Yeah, June 29, 1992, Observer, uh, June 15th in Memphis, saw Eddie Gilbert win the Unified as an AWA, world-class USWA and global title from Jerry Lawler in the match where Gilbert said he'd retire if he didn't win finish saw a ref bump Gilbert threw a fire at Lawler who ducked and the fire hit Burt Prentice at that point Mike Samples the global president uh hit the ring and hit Lawler with a chain so Gilbert could win the match had a no return clause on it others results saw Jeff Daniels beat the Candyman a women's boxing tournament saw Lauren Davenport beat Miss Jennifer Candy Kane beat Dominique and Davenport beat Kane uh Mark Miller or Mike Miller I'm sorry beat Tony Falk Brighton Christopher beat Billy Travis. Christopher beat the Hornet. Ron Oaks Moondogs beat Jeff Jordan and Pez Watley to keep the USWA Tag Team titles. And Lawler and Jared and Hornet beat the Moon Spot and Cujo and Richard Lee when Jared pinned Cujo. So it seems like uh, a lot, a lot of double duty. It's like, hey, we just book eight talents. We're good. Yeah, we'll, we'll we'll put on a full show. Um, July 6, ninety two, Big Deep. Pro Wrestling, oh, they're on the up here, Ash. They drew 148 fans. On June 20th in Dallas, Ray Evans beat Tom Powers. Hurricane Mike beat Jimmy James by DQ. Action Jackson pinned Young, who was legit fired from the group after the match. California stud Rod Price beat... pinned dane iceman king parsons beat scott braddock sean stevens regained the held up big d title from john tatum when freddie fargo tried to interfere and hit tatum with the belt but was cut off uh, tatum got the belt and hit stevens with it and pinned him but a second ref came ringside and told the first ref what happened and he reversed the decision fargo then stepped a lot of money into the second ref's sure pockets chris love has taken over as booker for Big D from, from Tatum. He's back. <laughs> well will continue to work in Tennessee and is said to have a new backer to run Wednesday and Saturday and shows in Dallas starting in a few weeks under the championship wrestling from Texas name. July fifth uh show has Tatum and Stud defending the Big D title belts against Parsons and Jackson's and Steven versus Mike for the heavyweight title. Wow. Talk about a grind here, huh?
1: Yeah. And this guy he
0: he's got a he must have a good workout, because he's booking at a place Managing at another place and running his own promotion.
1: Yeah, and these weren't just companies that are running one show a month, like they're weekly territories. I mean not maybe not weekly by Big D standards, but still uh very active promotions.
0: Yeah, and I think Big D was running a few times a month.
1: Yeah. But I mean like by saying uh they're they're not at the level of a Memphis as USWA still is.
0: The thing for these indie promotions was to in Dallas was to run to run weekly because that was Dallas tradition. But in this in this and, and you have to remember too, in 1992, in Dallas isn't just down. Wrestling is down. It's the beginning. It's not as bad as when we get to yeah. 93, 94, 95. But you look at WWF attendance figures that's the beginning of of the slide is 92 uh
1: it 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 slowly started in 1990 um but like yeah it's very noticeable starting in 92 was and the quality of the product went down like i my uh, my strong opinion is 1992 is the 91 going into 92 was like the worst period of WWE history. Just not only by business standards, but by moral standards, when you look at some of the storylines and angles that they'd perpetrated during that time. And I'm not the only one that has this opinion that, but a lot of other wrestling historians have the opinion that that's what drew fans away you had the steroid trial. You had the sex scandal. You had a lot of behind-the-scenes issues in WWE. But for the most part, the the Sergeant Slaughter Iraqi sympathizer gimmick. Um, yeah,
0: I think that was really the the beginning of the of of the slide, in my opinion. Like as far as
1: it was just bad taste, turning fans away. Yeah, that was bad taste, and just multiple storylines after that, multiple gimmicks after that was just very. Bad and tasteless during that era
0: all right so we will uh move on here uh to july 3rd 13th i'm sorry 1992 big d pro wrestling uh on july 5th and tell drew 152 so we're, we're we're keep climbing up we, we keep climbing up here ash is where you haven't been ricky long scott braddock pin carl colt eric fontaine um When a, to a double count out, uh, awesome Kong, uh, big D pin Prince Kaluaha, managed by new booker, Chris love. Do we know who that is? Uh, Sean Stevens kept the title. Hurricane Mike, when Freddie Fargo distracted the ref, uh, woman which was Jimmy James in drag hit Mike with a foreign object. in Blackbirds, uh, King Parsons and Action Jackson beat Connection managed by the lo- by Love heels in the building. Faces at the Sportatorium uh, via DQ when Braddock and the Natural attacked the Blackbirds. Uh, Connection c- kept uh, Big D tag belts on DQ. Uh, next week is Stevens versus Mike Tatum and Price and Dane versus Chris Love and Blackbirds and Chaz Taylor and Big D versus Prince Kaluha in a loser leaves town match. A lot of DQ finishes here, and that's never good for a territory or promotion.
1: Nope. Uh, I don't know Prince Kaluha. I looked. I tried to find something. I even looked up King kalua to see. It.
0: My I, that's where I thought. I was like, the King kalua spent some time in
1: Texas. Not that I, not that I was able to find. <laughs> uh he was working he was still in the northeast uh regularly active during that era also at 92 was when he was working ecw eastern championship wrestling but uh yeah as far as i could tell it wasn't him um july
0: 20th 1992 big d pro wrestling drew 173 fans on july 12th at the rocket palace in dallas uh a uh Price drew Fontaine in a good opener. James pinned Ricky Long. Carl Colt beat Ray Evans via DQ. Fernandez double count out on Tatum. Blackbirds, King Parsons, Ashton Jackson beat Scott Braddock in the natural via DQ when manager Baboose interfered. Um, Big D uh, beat Prince Galah managed by Chris Love in a loser Leafs Town match when Mike and Hurricane Mike won the Big D title from Sean Stevens. Big D was supposed to keep Freddie Fargo from interfering, but D was attacked uh, before the bell and carrot carted out. He, he came back for the finish as Fargo tried to interfere, but big D hit him with his light heavyweight title belt and pushed Stevens off the top rope and Mike pinned him on July 19th. He has a rematch for the belt on top blackbirds versus Braddock and natural Fernandez versus Tatum in a lumberjack match and more. Eddie Gilbert scheduled to debut for this group in July 26. Chris love, uh, was on a show scheduled for the Fair Park uh, in Dallas on August 1st. Gary Studevon is now running Lucha Libre shows every Thursday at the Rocket Palace, drawing about 300 fans per week. So Big D is running Lucha Libre shows and drawing twice what he's drawing Big D. Maybe just stick to that.
1: (laughs) Yeah. um, Goes back to what we were talking about, running Lucha in Dallas. And uh, Rocket Palace still exists from everything I can see. It's the Rocket Event Center or the Rocket Fiesta Palace. Um, There's just
0: so much interference going on here. And, you know, we're talking about this because this is Burt Prentice booking. um, And he's also, you know, obviously involved. um, But, you know, as a talent too. But, you know, even the good bookers sometimes just, you know, and at the end of this, we can decide if Burt Prentice was a good booker or not. Uh, you know, on top of being a promoter, um, but this is a lot, yeah, <laughs> a lot of dqs or interference, and it's just a lot, <laughs> okay, so this I saw this, and listeners, I hope you're you're gonna enjoy it as much as I do. I saw this when uh I was looking at the notes that you sent me before we did the show. And uh I'm intrigued for this. Letters to the observer. Now, this, this is a an observer writer writing a note writing a letter into the observer. And here we go. It's titled Crooked Promoters. I was happy to see the letter by Abdul Farouk Jr. warning wrestlers of crooked promoters. I was also astonished at another issue to see a name from my recent past appear, one Paul Baumgartner. I met him in the winter of 1990. He told me the same story about being the Wolfman in WWF. At the time of our meeting, we were told he was trying to put together a worldwide organization called the Round the Globe Wrestling Federation. He claimed it was backed by Coors, Bird's Eye Foods, and Dick Murdoch. He also claimed he was close friends with both Murdoch and Greg Valentine. He even offered me a job as a field representative in which he was going to allow me to dictate my salary and even relocate me from Ohio to Florida. At our first meeting I met Mike Moore, the Motor City madman and bad and boy gone bad Joe Daniels. These two members are supposed to be the nucleus of a round-the-globe wrestling federation. He claimed that Murdoch had booked a tour for Texas, New Mexico, and Mexico. I later found out from a former WF referee that the Wolfman story and the story about Murdoch and Valentine were all pure fantasy. I later learned when Baumgartner left the area that he had not only collected advance money for setting up bogus shows, but also left a trail behind him with numerous lies coming from his lips. Another person to be aware of is Chris Love. And his sidekick, Eric Fontaine. In June of 1990, I worked two shows for these guys under the false guise of it being an AWA show. Myself and the Ring crew never got paid. Love is an extremely talented individual. He has numerous contacts in the business, but since 1990, has moved from North Carolina to Texas, I'm sorry, to Kansas, to Texas, to Tennessee, to Texas, to Tennessee. Uh, While he puts on good shows, he also leads a trail. I'm not sure Love knows this, but his body, buddy, Mr. Fontaine, threatened me with bodily harm, trying to collect the money due me. Uh, another to watch out for was William Barnes, who also had wrestled as Jake the Rock Battle. He claimed to be wealthy and own a fitness business. He claimed to have run Citrus Wrestling in Port St. Uh, at one time, uh, he was my best friend, but he never fulfilled any of those promises, nor did he ever prove any of his claims. Other people I know that have put together good shows without ripping people off, um, of people I know sorry, are Mike Collins, Joe Ara, John Bush, Paul Jones, Charlie Fulton, and Dick Worley. There are many others I don't know of, but I can personally vouch for these ones listed. Chuck Allen, Western Ohio Wrestling.
1: Where do we begin? <laughs> um, well, I, so, I, I put the what, entire thing in there, so not everything else. Oh,
0: I wanted to read the entire
1: thing. Oh, no, I... I
0: because we're gonna talk about personal experiences. Um <laughs> uh, let, let's 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 talk about the Prentice stuff because that's why we're here, right? So was was Bert Dal Gagner in before Dal Gagner was a thing?
1: <laughs> uh quite possibly.
0: Were were the shows in Kansas AWA? I don't know. I mean and we have this is all alleged. Like we don't know if this Chuck Allen guy is telling the truth or 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 not. Um, funny how he puts Western around, So this is clearly a wrestling promoter. Um, so take that for, for what you will. Um, a lot of, the one thing wrestling promoters don't like other than bad draws is other promoters. <laughs> not every, there's pros get along, but believe me, folks, the forbidden door is not a thing in, in, in 95% of wrestling. Um, but, uh.
1: I mean, for all we know, this could have been like run the the false guys of a being an NWA sh- or AWA show. This could have been a, D- a Dale Gagner <laughs> incident. It, it
0: it could have been it could have been Dale one of Dale's first shows and Chris Wolfe was the booker maybe I you know
1: yes um, and Chris would have took the heat for it exactly, uh, but it's all speculation. I <laughs>
0: yeah and, and and we don't know if Eric Fontaine threatened him and all that and and, and all that but. Um, it, it, I do like here, though, he's moved from North Carolina to Kansas, to Texas, to Tennessee. To te- that that seems to be true.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, we've been able to prove that.
0: It, it seems to be true. He definitely bounced around, and that's one of the more fascinating things about um, So, So, yeah, so we have that. Now, I do want to talk about just... People claiming to be associated, or I did this, or I did that, and because it's something that even to this day, folks, is continuing to happen. Um, and I think we, we've we have talked about it, it episodes ago about promoters, and I even said it in a comedy experience, I had a guy tell me that he was the great great grandson of P.T. Barnum, and I'm like, but it's spelled differently. He goes, Oh, we've changed it over the years. 'Cause it was Barnum with H A M.
1: What do you wanna you wanna ret- tell your uh, doink story when you called out a fake doink? Oh yeah,
0: we 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 could talk about this. So um there's a guy there's a who mostly wrestles in Pennsylvania, um, but I occurred him experienced him in Jamestown, New York. And how he would introduce himself not just to fans, but to the talent in the back, in the locker room. Hi, I'm Doink from the Fed. Now, this isn't Ray Apollo. Wasn't Matt Bourne. Wasn't Steve Lombardi. Wasn't Nick Dinsmore, who did I think did it later on. Um, And I'm probably missing a Doink or two, but it wasn't any of that. And a couple years go by, and he was saying something online to a friend of mine. And I said, aren't you the guy that claims to be doing for the Fed? And he goes, I was doing for the Fed. And I go, what are you talking about? He goes, Oh, there was many of fake doings, but due to various reasons, WWF kept it private. Then why wouldn't they just keep all the fake doings? private?
1: (laughs) Yeah. I feel like that's one of those things where, uh, it used to be big. The, the, At least
0: Alabama Doink never said they had a. They were he was a Doink.
1: Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Um, What what we've realized with a lot of talent, um, I I can't throw everyone under the bus here, but um, (laughs) we know multiple people. Other people have done that. Like one individual that uh, gets out there at comic conventions and WrestleCon conventions. uh, The vast majority of his career is fake and. (laughs) One time, walking in a locker room, this guy broke in in 97, 98, 99. Um A story he tried telling us in a wrestling locker room once was that he hurt his neck wrestling the Steiners in Japan. Um But it's those stories where uh, Hangman, and all
0: the Japan Steiner stuffs
1: out there. Yeah, and, and he's not listening. To oh. Hangman, Bruce, Proban, same way, same thing. All these guys that would go to California uh, Alley that would just. There was a guy called the Super Tramp in
0: Pacific Northwest, I remember Brian Zane talking about it. And he claimed he was this old territory wrestler in Vancouver and all that, and there's nothing.
1: A lot of these guys, though, they say some vague stuff of like the Doink stuff, too. Like, oh, I play Doink. It, like, a lot of that stuff is so hard to actually verify. You know he's lying. But you can't... Well, that, yes. <laughs> you know he's lying, but you can't 100% prove it because there's still that chance of well, maybe WWE needed a doink at a house show somewhere in the middle of nowhere, and this guy was setting up the rain crew and they just put the face paint on him. You don't know hundred percent, but that's what a lot of these carnies and these liars would do is
0: Oh, so many, nervous. oh, I worked for WWF and this and that. Oh, I- it's you, were- you
1: can't even you can't hundred percent say no because you can't verify that he's hundred percent lying, even though you know that he, you know he is.
0: I had a football coach and security guard at my high school who claimed to have been a WWF enhancement talent. And I could not find, I can't find anything. (laughs) And I know the the guy's name and what he looks like. I just, I couldn't find anything. I was like, did you wrestle anywhere else? He goes, Nope, just there. Okay.
1: (laughs) That brings up a, uh, another (laughs) brings up another individual, which I'll keep his name out here, but he's been working since the early eighties that claims he's done WB squash matches and that he's, he has stories of being backstage at all these superstars tapings and wrestling channel shapings or raw tapings throughout the nineties. And there's no record of him ever doing a match. Now that doesn't mean he was never backstage, but like, cause he could say like he was brought in or he, but nothing. And right there guys like that cultivate this image that a lot of people in the business believe them that oh this guy knows what he's talking about because he's done this he's worked wwe like prove it <laughs> where's the video if i
0: remember walking in on a locker room speech one time between two wrestlers who were telling a lot of the young uh r- wrestlers at this time and i was very new in the business too and they were telling everyone that They remember when they were working TV tapings for WCW in London, England, and they were piping in Goldberg chants. He goes, "Yeah, Goldberg wasn't that over," and I'm like, "I don't think WCW ever ran television in London, England in the in the Nitro era. No,
1: I don't think that ever happened." Uh, And a lot of these guys are not like are not the old school counties from the 70s or 80s they've gotten hit in the head so much they don't even they've done so much stuff that they can't remember these are just these are weekend warriors
0: and i'm and i love whenever we talk about things like this on the episodes uh people will chime in with their experiences please uh listeners out there they know we have a lot of a lot of uh people in the wrestling business that listen to this show give us those stories i enjoy them I enjoy these stories very much. And I could probably release some of the names to you that, that we're talking about
1: often. And, and more Andrew Anderson and Cuba car micro stories. Oops, I just said their names. Oh well.
0: <laughs> All right. <laughs> Move that's on you.
1: I know what I did. It's fine. Edit just edit it out. No, I did that on purpose. <laughs> All
0: right. Okay, <laughs> alright. Well the, the... The 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 thoughts of Jonathan Ash aren't those of Chris Gulliver Rediscovered the Indies.
1: I'll challenge Andrew Anderson's stories all day. I don't care about that.
0: <laughs> all right. All right. Shots are fired. Uh, we will. Um, w- but, yeah, so that I found that letter very interesting. We will move on. Uh, July 27, 1992. Chris Love has a show on August 1st at the Fair Park in Dallas with a 41-man battle royal. Okay. Stevens versus Hurricane Mike for the Big D title. Fernandez versus Tatum. Black versus Blondes. Uh, Stephen Dane uh, versus Dewey, formerly Awesome Kong, and more. Um, 41 man battle royal. <laughs> That's an interesting number.
1: I, how big is their ring? 30 by 30?
0: And he's promoting this too. So it's not like it's like, oh, we're going to have a battle royal. I'm like, oh, we got 41 guys helping with the ring.
1: Like, if it was a, like a Rumble style, then just have, you just book 10 guys and just all have different masks and just interchangeable. But for August nine time, Like, that's yeah. impressive.
0: August of 1992, Big D Pro Wrestling in August 2nd in Dallas drew 208 as Sweet Sherry beat Mad Madeline, Big D and Eric Fontaine and Carl Coates. Over Texas Dow and Ray Evans and Jimmy James. The Blackbirds kept their big D tag titles, uh, beating Tatum and Price. Sean Stevens kept the big D title, beating Hurricane Mike when Freddie Fargo interfered and hit Mike with the Stevens with Stevens belt and Scott Braddock beat Fernandez via DQ in a lumberjack match using a chair. Um I'm I'm sorry. Uh a lumberjack match, but a chair is illegal? You could go on the outside and get beat up by... Okay. All right. <laughs> Chris Love's August 1st Garden Fair Park Arena was canceled. Oh, so, so it looks like... The so it looks like this Chris Love uh, Championship Wrestling from Texas experiment looks to be winding down here in Um, September 7, 1992, the main event for on September 6th for Big D Pro Wrestling, saw Eric Embry and Terry Sims versus Sean Stevens and Gary Young, with Embry's hair at stake against Embry, getting five minutes in the ring with Freddie Fargo and Never Referee. Embry pinned Stevens to win the match when Fargo held up a chair, and Stevens tried to whip Embry into it, but Embry reversed the whip. However, uh, before Embry got the five minutes with Fargo, Young and Stevens gave him two spike pile drivers on a chair, Fargo then destroyed Embry with chairs until Embry did a major juice job with 45 seconds in, or forty five seconds left, sorry, Embry started his comeback and gave Fargo a low blow at the bell. Next week has Embry vs. Fargo with all the wrestlers barred from ringside. Earlier on the card, awesome Kong squash a wrestler named Wayne Pearson from downtown Dallas, which is a spoof on Global's head promoters, Wayne Whitworth and Garrett Greg Pearson. I for, I keep forgetting Global like was sold like three times why there's eight promotions running in Dallas just start your own <laughs> you don't that, need the global name
1: there's a Chris Love putting a little dig on his former employer yep uh
0: this was uh done a retaliation since Eddie Gilbert vs. Dark Patriot Doug Gilbert for the GWF North American title was scheduled on the big D card both Gilbert's no-showed the card with eddie saying he had has a message sunday morning on his answer machine from greg pearson saying that he had a few texas marshals will be waiting for gilbert when he arrived to the dfw airport and if gilbert got off the plane he'd be arrested for stealing the gwf north american title so gilbert didn't come to dallas i've always heard that the belt is not property of global but of carol Lindsay, the original financer behind global who's no longer affiliated with the group and that Lindsay had given gilbert the okay to use it since she left the group on bad terms with max andrews promoter chris love has made the announcement that gilbert wasn't going to be there and offer refunds that none asked for um since he can make up a story about travel connections problem or make up that gilbert was injured in a non-existent match but instead he wanted to tell the story and basically told what was written here Bill Dundee appears on the for this group on September 13th, with Danny Davis and Jeff Jarrett scheduled in coming weeks. So, I didn't realize Jeff Jarrett was doing this stuff when he was in '92. I thought he was just doing USWA before he started with WAF. I didn't realize he was doing Big D.
1: So yeah, um, still using that uh, that the, the non-existent global feud from USWA that they claimed Eddie Gilbert as champion and trying to promote a global title match in, in big D It didn't really work.
0: I had no idea how involved Prentice was in big D by the way. Like I had no idea that he was this important to that company. I was just hearing on results and between the sheets and I'm like, Oh, they didn't last long, but they, they, they got a pretty interesting history. It looks like, yeah. um, so, and I love that, that that we're supposed to believe. First off, Eddie Gilbert. How did he not? Unless he just didn't want to go. How did he not call BS on that? You're not getting a sheriff. A sheriff is not going to drive to the airport and arrest me for a wrestling title. <laughs> it's not happening.
1: I mean, he probably had other illegal substances on him at that point too when he got off the plane. So he didn't want to. Uh, didn't want to tempt it.
0: I guess, but I I just, I can't see the cops actually getting involved in this. Um... September 8th, 1992, uh, August 17th, the Memphis saw Tony Falk and the Hornet Ron Oaks over Mike Miller and Richie B. Fine, formerly the candy man who turned heel and is now managing Brickhouse Brown. Uh, Eric Embry and Tony Anthony beat Mike Samples and Scotty the Body. Reno Riggins and Dunch Bantel beat the Russian Unify team, a mass team managed by Burt Prentice, aka Chris Love. I think we should probably count it mass tag teams he managed as well as promotions yeah. um miss texas and dirty white girl beat lauren davenport and moondog fifi diane hoffman eddie and doug gilbert and brian christopher and buddy landell beat the rock and roll express and bill dundee and tommy rich um that sounds actually like a pretty good match uh jerry lawler and jeff Jarrett beat the moondogs to regain the uswa tag team titles and in an elvis presley tribute tag team battle royal the moondogs won when they were eliminated. Rich and Dundee, when Rich turned on heel on Dundee, Rich and Dundee were the f- top-faced team in the territory about 10 to 12 years back. Um,
1: I, I put that in the notes just because of the Russian Unified team.
0: Yes, but... He, well, and, and now we're, you know, the Russian Olympic Committee, right?
1: Yeah. <laughs> um,
0: but... Uh, also, El- why is there an Elvis Presley tribute tag team belt- battle in
1: 1992? What's going on? Like, I it's memphis does anything have to make sense
0: i understand that but he passed away in 77 he was born in 35 Wait. so it's not like it's a milestone birthday
1: august 17th he died august 16th 1977
0: yes i mean okay so it, but memphis has been around for years why didn't they not run a tribute show in 87 so on 15th. august 16th or
1: 17th they might have i have to look that up it's 15 year anniversary but but I want to know. Oh, okay, okay. The anniversary of his death.
0: All right, I'll give it to you. I want
1: to know, like, why is it? I'll give it to you. That makes sense. Why is it he be a tag team battle? Or did Elvis enjoy tag team wrestling? There is the rumor he used to go to shows. Oh no, I know that. But like, was he a was he partial to tag teams? And, and like, did everyone have to dress up as Elvis in this battle royal?
0: This would inspire the flying Elvises <laughs> that would appear on you know, TNA. Just years later no uh, uh i kid uh september 21st nineteen ninety two. promoter chris love is planning the biggest show to date on october 4th with the moondogs jeff jared and dundee on the show so
1: he's using to, connections to, with memphis to bring talent into big d
0: so now this is interesting september 28th nineteen ninety two. melter reports it is chris loves big d promotion uh, ran head-to-head with GWF on Friday night. GWF drew around 500 with very little paid, while Big D drew 128, headlined by Terry Sims beating Scott Braddock via, via pinning manager Freddie Fargo. The regular Sunday night, September 20th, Big D Show drew 260 for a one-night tournament the Crown Tag Champs when Braddock and Ray Evans won beating Sims and newcomer Dino Hernandez, who was billed as... I, I'm not even reading that. <laughs> it's... The fact that they have a Dino Hernandez, but uh, he was he was billed as something, I, you know, and that pro, um uh, the singles main event uh, saw Eric Embry uh, double disqualification over time to- with Tommy Rich in a four minute dud of a wrestling match, followed by a 15 minute po- four star post match brawl all over the building with both men
1: soaking in their own juice. So the the line you didn't want to say is that was actually Gino Hernandez's uh, nickname. No.
0: Yes, but I also don't want to say it because it's nowadays it, it just it's not yeah, a good yeah. context.
1: Pe- yeah, people would know what it is. But basically, they're they're trying to copy off of Gino's. Uh,
0: we got a fake Gino Hernandez here. Like yeah, what are we doing? That works. Like we got a fake Gino Hernandez. Like I, I don't understand what we're doing here. Um, and then. But I is, Love- is he is he bought it from Big D? I
1: don't think so. I I think that might have just been. Oh no, no he didn't. Um cuz what happens later in the notes, but okay. I think that was just Meltzer just wrong typo or maybe he just assumed at this point Chris Love is just synonymous with Big D. Um but you look at this Global Drew 500 very little paid. So that tells me that they're kind of mad at Chris Love running a global angle in Memphis that they decided to run against them and just papered it just so they could say we outdrew you by like three times
0: that's also bad business too though (laughs) yeah it's all it's all bad business I mean big deep fake Gino Hernandez is papering the crowd just to outdraw somebody else like at the end of the day they're making more money with 172 fans than you are with 500
1: yeah when it comes to paid or in twenty eight fans are well, no, it's um, big. It's Big D that had the fake Gino, not Global. Yes,
0: no, I'm. I'm saying they're both doing bad. bad. Oh
1: yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, it and Global with one twenty eight was about what they were drawing anyways. So like it didn't really hurt their draw.
0: Um, October 9, nineteen eighty two. Big D looks to be in for a new start. The October eleventh card headline by Gary Young and Randy Rhodes versus the return of Eric Emery. and Big D drew. Uh, Just 72 fans Chris Love is out as Booker And will become more involved with the USA Under the Burt Prentice name Terry Sims, heel manager Freddie Fargo Tasha Simone Love, who is the woman in Memphis As Elizabeth and Rodeo Queen uh, And Eric Fontaine are all gone with Love out as Booker As expected that Randy Rhodes, Sean Stevens And Ray Evans will follow So here he is, he's gone again From Big D Wrestling Um, October 26, 1992 Crowded Big D was down to 66 this week Chris Love is out as booker mentioned last week, as is much of the group's talent. It appears Eric Embry will handle the booking and use a lot more GWF guys on Sunday. October 25th scheduled as Eric Fonte versus Gary Young for the Big D title. Embry versus Gary Young and Chris Adams returns.
1: So Big D just keeps moving along. October,
0: I'm sorry, November 23rd, 1992. WF manager Harvey Wuppelman is working in Memphis as a babyface. It started in November 9th with Whippleman using his old ring name of Downtown Bruno, being Burt Prentice's special referee from the WWF for the Jerry Lawler vs. Todd Champion title match. Bruno crossed up Prentice and Champion by favoring Lawler during the match. Finish saw Lawler leap over the ropes for a sunset flip. Champion held onto the ropes. Bruno kicked Champion's hand off the ropes and fast-counted him for the pin. Uh, November 30, 1992, on the November 16th in Memphis, the Downtown Bruno her. Harvey Whipman, who Jeff Jarrett called on television, downtown Bruno. Whippleman versus Burr Prentice ended up when Prentice was DQ'd for interference of Curtis Thompson. Um that's a Firebreaker Chip. Yes. Uh Thompson held Bruno down and Prentice gave him a big splash, and they beat on him until Jarrett made the save. So very interesting. We got a Prentice versus uh Whippleman feud.
1: Yeah, and they, uh, uh, they went around the loop uh, working matches too. I saw that in the results.
0: Babyface Babyface, Downtown Bruno is fun. He also has that match against Howard Finkel. Yes.
1: From, yeah, around this time too. It was like 93.
0: 93, right? Yeah, yeah. I think. Uh, Dece- yeah, December 28, 1992, on Saturday's television show, Santa Claus came out and was jumped by Prentice. Santa's wig and beard fell off. Uh, presumably to quote any major complaints about kids watching Santa get beaten up on wrestling. Prentice then introduced the Christmas Creature, a very tall wrestler, which Meltzer thought at the time was Brian Lee, who they were trying to strongly hit with Sid Vicious, although it wasn't. He was even supposed to uh, be managed on Monday night by Downtown Bruno, Dr. Harvey Whippleman, who was Sid's manager in the WWF, which is really strange because Bruno was a babyface just a few weeks back and was feuding with Prentice. Lawler even did an interview saying he thought the guy was a WWF wrestler named Sid Prentice in an interview talking about Miss Texas said that she was really a man named Bubba who had a sex change and that she's been having an affair with Eddie Marlin later in the show Prentice uh, came out and talked about how serious the allegations were he made and said they were 100% true so uh, pretty uh yeah, definitely something that would never, ever fly
1: no, uh, nowadays. Yeah, Prentice is all over the show, but uh, yeah.
0: Don't think that would be, didn't think it was good then. Um,
1: no, and uh, this is kind of, I, I want to, I feel like the early 90s USWA was the most offensive USWA. It was
0: some very offensive stuff,
1: yeah. yeah. Um, I've seen the video of this, of some stuff from this feud with Prentice just trying to claim Miss Texas. Miss Jacqueline was a was a man. It kind of was awkward even back then. But, you know, Memphis was Memphis.
0: Yeah, so it's uh yeah, but um to touch on uh the other stuff there, the Christmas creature which would be Glenn Jacobs, aka Kane. Yes. The 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 Christmas creature and uh yeah, uh <laughs> Too, it, it, too bad we didn't get more than uh i think what two christmas creature appearances it was very short it was, it, it was very short um but as we wrap up 1992 here so let's kind of go so he starts he starts the year in in, in 1992 um and he uh lpwa is done he gets fired from global he starts running his own promotion championship wrestling from Texas uh, he gets very involved with big big D wrestling as a booker um, and he's also working as USWA as a manager as the evil global re- representative uh, then he he's uh gone at uh big D pro wrestling as the as the year towards the end there and now he's back doing a Angle and USWA in Memphis. Um, yeah, he definitely, uh, Burr Prentice definitely was well-traveled, especially in these early years here.
1: Yeah, he definitely uh, definitely made the rounds.
0: And uh, let's see here. And we'll, uh, we've got a couple more notes here and we'll wrap up this first part. Because like I said, folks, this is going to be quite the uh the the deep dive um uh, about burt prentice uh but january 4th 1993 burt prentice showed a clip of miss texas beating leslie bellinger from last week and eddie marlin jumped in and hugged texas prentice showed a freeze frame of it and showed how uh long the two were were hugging and that marlin was having an affair with texas who was once again this this the stupid bubba joke that he had uh the week is a this week is a mixed tag with Marlon in Texas versus Bellinger and Prentice, which ended when Prentice ko Texas with a chain. How old was Eddie Marlon in 1993?
1: <laughs> i like, look that up. Um, And this led to them working matches at house shows. Um, He would have been in his sixth, early 60s. Yeah. Or- well,
0: I mean, in nowadays wrestling, that's kind of normal. Yeah. Um, I mean, look at look at Sting. Uh, March 29, 1993, uh, the main new feud started on television on March 20th and was between Eddie Gilbert and the Rock and Roll Phantom. What a name. <laughs> We've been some interesting names on this show. I'll tell you, Don Bass Under a Hood was the Rock and Roll Phantom, although it may already be over. Gilbert was in the ring for a television match when Phantom and Prentice came out singing. Prentice was wearing overalls and had hearts cut out in the legs, which must have been hilarious if you've ever seen Prentice. If you haven't, just imagine Rush Limbaugh dressed like that. Burr Prentice has been doing concerts singing at all the house shows and claiming that it's his singing that has set all the record crowds in the past few weeks in the territory. Maybe he opened up for Tammy Faye Baker in uh, in, in 91. Um, But Prentice said all the arena managers are demanding uh, that he sings at every car because they know he draws all the fans. Now, are you guys ready for a very 1993 reference? Anyways, he starts singing Achy Breaky Heart and dancing like he's Chubby Checker. Um, and it, Meltzer just says, hey, I barely remember him except for those oldies commercials, but I can't come up with a better, anyone better to compare Prentice with. And acting that he's coming uh, uh, onto Gilbert, uh, Gilbert keeps watching and Prentice is doing the stuff until finally Gilbert decks Prentice and the Phantom destroys Gilbert with one of the best guitar shots in a while. Uh we have the USWA here in April 5th, 1993. Burt Prentice is history. So Mike Samples is taking over managing guys that Prentice used to be with. So he's gone with USWA again. <laughs> um, which I don't know if he ever really left on bad terms before this.
1: I don't think so. But this definitely won't be the last.
0: No, it will not. Um, But I, I do enjoy the singing gimmick. <laughs> and i know it's one of the things when elias was doing and i'm like this this is genius well you guys are all here it, it, it it's a great it's easy heat but it's great heat in my opinion i i used to do a gimmick where i was a a hipster named Topher sinclair and what we would do is we would like do things like teach people how to uh do yoga poses <laughs> And he got two heels in there saying, oh, we're better than you because we know how to do yoga. And they're just clamoring for the baby face to come out. It, it was a lot of fun. Gr- a Great way to get heat with that. Because <laughs> they didn't come for for yoga or, you know, in, in Prentice's case, singing, you know. And here he is. He's out um, April 12th, 1993. Uh, and this is, uh, let's see here, Actually, yeah. We'll, so this is yeah. We'll talk about this before because this is. Let's see here. Just trying to see where we're at when he starts the. Uh, oh man, <laughs> he's got a lot of wrestling promotions. <laughs> we'll we'll go to about. Uh, might be able to go to end ninety three. We'll we'll figure it out here. But uh, um, April twelfth uh, nineteen ninety three. Burt Prentice is resurfaced running shows at the Splash Casino in Tunica, Mississippi, starting on April twelfth. Uh among those listed are working in the first show is the Bruce Brothers, Honky Tonk Man, Rod Price, and Bull Payne. I'm assuming the Harris Brothers. The Bruce Brothers in 93, Ash, you think?
1: Yeah. Um Yeah, they were working on they're working on other territories using that name too. So yeah, that would have been them.
0: April twenty-sixth, nineteen ninety-three, Burt Prentice, uh ran, so by the way, this is promotion number five. Uh, Bruprentis ran his first show on April 12th at the Splash Casino in Tunica, Mississippi, 40 miles from Memphis. Now, folks, let's remember this too. He leaves Memphis in April, USWA, and he's running in Memphis territory less than a month later. Actually, like two weeks later. <laughs> but, um,
1: it, it be- begs the question of like, it's why the, he was let go. It's it's the same thing with Global, same thing with Big D, the same thing seems everywhere he's going, where, like, did he have the idea to run his own company, like, run sideshows, like, while he was with the bigger company, and that's why they got rid of him? Or did he, did he run a foul with them, with these companies, leave, and then immediately try to run something? Like, chicken or the egg, like, which came first?
0: Yeah, like I mean, he always the thing about Bert, and you could tell, you know, I didn't know him personally, but just going this deep dive and, and everything I've heard is that he always wanted to be promoter. He had that promoter's instinct. So I think at this point he doesn't have a promotion for a while because it was the summer was the last time he ran Championship Wrestling from Texas, right? So early summer, so like he's pro- he's probably had the itch. He wanted to promote shows again. Probably living in Memphis, like oh this casino wants to buy a show. Lawler probably got just a bit. They, I'm pretty sure they run that casino in Tunica at some point. I think later on they do in their history. Um, but Lawler probably got wind of it, didn't like it, and here's where we're at. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so April 26 19th, Prentice ran his first show on April 12th at the Splash Casino in Tunica, Mississippi, 40 miles from Memphis, drawing a sellout 7.15. Uh, Second show was planned on April 28th, Ron Harris vs. John Hawk and Tommy Rich vs. Junkyard Dog, after which they plan on going weekly. A sister casino in Greenville, Mississippi will start doing weekly shows on June 10th, and similar plans are to be for yet-to-be-open casinos in Biloxi and New Orleans, Uh, May 10th. 1993 Chris loves mid-American wrestling, so I'm assuming this is what promotion number five is called. Yeah. Uh, we'll be running shows on May twelfth in Tunica, Mississippi; May thirteenth in Sanatobia, Mississippi; at May fourteenth in maybe Mississippi; and May fifteenth in Memphis, using Tommy Rich, John Hawk, the Moon Dogs, the Assassins, one hum- whom is said to be Ernie Ladd's brother James. So now he he's he's running Memphis, so he's going right for it. Yeah um May 24th 1993 uh USWA uh Burt Prentice has been brought back as a manager. <laughs> oh man, I just I can't. He's he's there. He literally is going to run their own city. Like <laughs> and they've let him, it seems like they let him go because he wanted to run there and here he is, he's back. Uh, but Prentice has been back as a manager and they are bringing back both the Harlem Knights and Moondogs as well this week. Harlem Knights would be men on a mission for those of you at home. Um Prentice claims that he was with the WWF in his interview and that he'd been in Hawaii performing with Don Ho. Guy Coffee, who was running a uh, TV with Eddie Marlin gone, tried to kick Prentice out, but Prentice uh, said that Papa Shango, or that he had Papa Shango under contract, and that if he was kicked out, that Shango would take the USWA belt and never come back with it. Prentice also signed Steve Dahl and Rex King, USWA tag champs, on TV. Uh, Coco Ware came out and claimed that he knew Prentice wasn't in any way affiliated with the WF, saying he knew both Vince McMahon and Jack Tunney and that they didn't associate with that type of person. Prentice said that he proved it and showed the USWA title belt that Shango holds. Uh, melee ensued with King, Dahl and Prentice doing a number on Ware, including hanging him with a strap until Lawler made the save where did one of the hottest interviews in his life volleying revenge so there's a lot there huh <laughs> um yeah. first off a Don Ho reference in 1992 i mean i was young in 1992 but i feel like even then that was probably not a not a cool reference um it's weird that he they would pre- prentice to be the WWF representative having no WWF experience um uh, when a lot of people they had their were at one time. I mean, this would have been perfect for Whippleman.
1: Yeah, it might have depend um, like he's already here, he's local. We don't have to fly someone in. Um.
0: um well, like Whippleman like, was local too. <laughs> yeah,
1: um, but like you said, like um, running, attempting to run in the Memphis area. Like, I feel like they brought him back because they got nervous that if he tried, if he was going to run full time in Memphis. That it was gonna split the audience. So you bring Prentice back so he's not gonna run his own stuff.
0: Um yeah, no, uh the it it it's it's really interesting that they're the the he's the guy that he's competition are like oh come on back in. And then he, he could take talent if he wants. <laughs> um but I mean Prentice seemed to have to be a very likable guy for people to just keep giving him chances. Yeah, come on back. Uh you know, um it's it it's you know and I don't think it's correlation is made. It's very Heyman ish. Yeah. Um Heyman would be on the ins and outs on a lot of places too.
1: Yeah, and I think he definitely had a way of selling himself because he's getting all these jobs. Um, or just it was friends with the right people because you look at some of these numbers for for draws that he was doing, like, he really wasn't setting the world on fire as a booker.
0: No. Um, also, Coco, beware uh, dropping Jack Tunney. His name is a promo. It was I actually recently put on my social media? Happy President's Day, <laughs> and I I, I I put a picture of Jack Tunney. But I've what I find interesting about this, um, is that actually no, he was yeah. So Tunney was there till ninety four. Okay, ninety five. 95, yeah, but I think his last on-air is 94, right? I think. For the Luger, Bret Hart thing?
1: No, no, he made appearances. You think of the Rumble. He made appearances leading up to Mania for the... Okay. He did... He's a... He appeared... If you're talking about, like, live at the shows, like, like live in the ring, he would have had to... Would have had to have been something after that, but he was still. They would film segments with him, uh, whenever they needed something, whenever they needed a ruling. Um, so he was still active until at least early '95, mid '95.
0: Okay, all right, yes. Yeah, so I, oh, well, I'm surprised Tony was, was around that long, it's crazy. Um, but yeah, so yeah, I mean, and this is too Yeah, Coco beware's there. This is also the beginning of that WWF relationship where they're sending talent there, too, as you can tell with Papa Shango, because I think he's still under contract at that time. Um, July 5th, 1993, USWA TV taped on June 26th. Burt Prentice and Miss Texas started arguing near a mud pit set up because they were hyping a mud wrestling match on Monday. Prentice picked up Texas and tried to throw her in the mud, but uh, um, midget wrestler Lone Eagle dropped kicked Prentice who Dropped Texas and was then thrown into the mud himself. Prentice is apparently going to take a temporary leave next week, but will return. And that's that's a word from, from Melzer, uh, in that from 1993. Uh, September 7th or September 27th, sorry, 1993. Jeff Cohen, a photographer for several newsstand wrestling magazines, and Burt Prentice are opening up a championship wrestling from Indiana promotion starting on October 14th. With weekly shows at the Tyndall Armory in Indianapolis, where Dick the Bruiser ran regular for 1986, that is number six. Promotion number six. What's unique about this promotion is that most promotions build around a top babyface, some around a top heel, and even a few around a manager. But this is the first promotion I know to build around a ring announcer. Prentice, who is also the booker, uh, names listed as the regulars for the group are Moondogs, Me- Melvin Pidrod Jr., Tom Brandy, Johnny Gunn, Danny Davis, and Sapphire. First show was Brian Lee versus Broad Price, Penrod versus Samples, da- Davis versus the Master of Terror, which was Ken Wayne, and more. You hear that, folks? The ring announcer is the top babyface. Just saying. <laughs> F- Fetty Promotion wants to make me their key piece. No, I'm joking. Um,
1: I wouldn't be opposed to that.
0: <laughs> but championship wrestling from Indiana, so that's number six. Yeah, and you by the by the way, did, did 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 by the way, did Dave Marquez get some type of inspiration <laughs> from these Prentice promotions? Um. October fifth, 1993, Jeffrey Cohen and Burt Prentice debuted their championship wrestling from Indiana promotion on October 14th before a crowd given to us of 1,212 fans paying $5,980. The local newspaper reported the crowd is 500. And another source gave us the same gate figure but said that the 5,980 included not only ticket receipts but merchandising and food sold at the building and listed the crowd at 1,000. Uh, either way, by today's standards, it's a strong indie crowd. Yeah, that is a very strong crowd for 93. Uh, this group uh, got a ton of local publicity, although the show was plagued by several no-shows, including Brian Lee in the main event and both women's wrestlers, Regina Hill and uh, Black Venus. Uh, they ended up getting someone called Lady Macbeth to wrestle Sapphire for 10 seconds, with Sapphire winning and Macbeth beating up her male manager afterwards. Uh, Ken Wayne replaced Lee as the Master of Terror, uh, losing to Rod Price, who was a face. Here on top, Tracy, hit, or sorry, Terror had a 25-minute match with Danny Davis early on the card. Uh, Lee was in uh, October 21st headline by Tracy Smothers as a heel versus Price and Rex Hargrove versus Lee. Um, so yeah, championship wrestling from Indiana in full swing here. Uh, November 8, 1993, Observer the October 28th championship wrestling Indiana show either 500 or a thousand twenty. Okay. <laughs> All right. With Chris Michaels and Todd Morton, uh, as a tag team far too wild. Uh, and let's, let's remember those names for when we, for later on in the music city history. Uh, doing a Rock and Roll ex, uh, Express gimmick, uh, defeating Brian Lee and Tracy Smothers when Smothers did the job. After knocking uh, Michaels, who has worked as Chris Comet on Smoky Mountain Wrestling Television, out of the ring, Lee and Smothers destroyed Morton until ring announcer Mr. Wrestling Burt Parritz has told you they were going to build a company around a ring announcer. Tried to make the save and lead DDT him. It wound up where promoter Jeffrey uh, Cohen suspending Freddie Fargo for two weeks and failing to control the team. November fourth is headlined by Tommy Rich versus Rod Price and American Eagles Wayne and Davis versus the Rock and Roll Phantoms Don Bass and Buddy Wayne. So it's a father versus son match with both masks. And um, Buddy Wayne. Is the father of Nick Wayne. Recently signed to AEW and blowing up the independent wrestling scene in 2022. Isn't it crazy how how it just all comes full circle, huh? Yeah. And you have like three generations of Wayne here, so um. All right, and then uh December 6th, 1993 here. Uh, Mike Samples replaced for Prentice's booker for Jeff Cohen's Championship Wrestling from Indiana's office. Prentice is scheduled to work another week as ring announcer before leaving Indy. And what he says will be starting a career as a comedian. <laughs> <laughs> we'll touch on all this in a second because this is wrapping up 93 and this is where we're going to kind of wrap up here. Uh, replacing Prentice, uh, Ends the flying in from wrestlers from Texas, and in fact, the Thanksgiving show, which was originally was to feature several named fly-ins, turned out to be a totally local product. Cohen is bringing in former indie star Sailor R. Thomas as a guest appearance on December uh, 2nd, although he won't be wrestling. Don't be surprised to see Samples book the thing around a feud with himself, and uh, heel who acquires half the promotion in a business deal, and Cohen is the role as a local babyface promoter, similar to his heel promoter role in Memphis. And I think Samples promotes in Indiana till the late 90s. I think he, he could, he, it might not be this promotion, but I think he's pretty heavily involved until towards the end of the 90s there. But, uh okay, oh, pr- so.
1: Prentice didn't actually own Championship Wrestling from Indiana.
0: I'm still counting it as promotion number six.
1: Oh no, I, I I'm fine with that. I'm just saying that <laughs> it comes out here that he's now being replaced by the actual Money Money Man.
0: Um, v- very good draws. You know, I'm just I'm doing the last three notes here. Good draws, interesting roster for sure. Um, you got a mix of Tennessee that indiana kentucky area with the texas talent which is you know what prentice brought to the table um seems like a fun promotion um you know for sure uh but the Burr prentice is leaving and starting a career as, as he was just a ring announcer as the main star folks i apparently i'm not the only ring announcer comedian and in, 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 uh in wrestling history no, you're not. Burr Prentice. Um, I wonder if there's any Burr Prentice stand-up uh tapes, if they save the VHSs out there. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, so that's that's gonna wrap up '93. Um, and let's just, I love doing these recaps here. So let's recap 1993. He's uh involved as a manager in USWA. He leaves USWA. Um, he starts his own promotion in Mississippi, he runs multiple casinos, including in Memphis. Then he's back at USWA. He's a manager. They're claiming he works for the WWF as a heel manager. And then he ends up starting his own wrestling promotion with a, a photographer, uh, the money guy in Indiana, um, where they run a few shows. And then he leaves at the end
1: of the year to go be a comedian. Uh, if you want to. Once again,
0: one of the most interesting men in pro wrestling history.
1: If you want to go on and read the next four, because uh, 94 is kind of slow on the on the note section.
0: Yeah, we'll we'll, we'll do 94. Yeah, we'll, we'll go 94 here because uh, there's only a few 94 notes. January 3rd, 94, USWA. Because of Christmas being on Saturday, the television this weekend was all tape, pre-taped. Uh, the highlights were Burt Prentice coming out dressed as Santa Claus and giving gifts to the fans with Eddie and Doug Gilbert attacking and beating him up and destroying the gifts. Uh, July eighteen ninety four USW USWA, Bert Prentiss missed all his weekend shots and may or may not come back.
1: So he, came back, he returned in January 94. And out. he's out in the summer. Yeah. Um, in, in, in the notes, uh, in the observers, basic uh, managing notes as him as a manager and worker on the loop. Nothing, nothing that tied into the, the whole, I, the whole subject here of him being a promoter and a booker.
0: Um, August 1st, 1994, uh, USWA Burt Prentice's uh, history. Uh, so the Eliminators and Spellbinder are being managed by Reggie B. Fine. Some talk, Apprentice running opposition. So, yes, yeah, folks, Burt Prentice managed Perry Saturn. Um, January 30th, 1995, and this is where we're going to leave it uh, for this part. Uh, Chris Love is reservist promoting a group called Ozark Mountain Wrestling, promoting weekly shows in Jonesboro, Blytheville, Wynn, and Paragold, Arkansas every Monday through Thursday. Um, and then we do have that first show note, January 23rd in Jonesboro, Arkansas, Ozark Mount wrestling drew 400. So not a bad first show draw. AJ Alonzo beat Shane Holt, spider number two beat Steve Stexton, uh, Colorado kid. Remember that name beat spider number one, Tasha Simone love and spider number two, uh, beat Holt and Mimi Kennedy and kid won the R- 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 Rumble Royal. <laughs> it's called so not not a lot of stars there um Colorado kids can be somebody that we're going to talk about quite a bit in the next part um but yeah so there you have it uh 94 95 not as interesting as 91 92 and 93 but he starts at USWA and he's gone in USWA and now here he is in 95 beginning of 95 and we're gonna do a deep dive in 95 but the beginning of Ozark Mountain Wrestling
1: yeah I think that's a good tease there too that yep once again starts another company and yep. it's Arkansas, but that's suburban Memphis. Uh, all those yes. towns and cities are within... Probably within like an hour drive of Memphis, I would say. So it's generally and, generally the Memphis metropolitan area.
0: And this would be the promotion that would become North American All-Star, Music City, and then NWA Worldwide, which we're going to get into uh, over the coming months. So, yep, so... Story
1: the- d- the uh continuity basically is there between that so yeah we'll st- ozark would be the start of what everyone knows is is the continuation of uh burt Prentiss in the mid to late 90s and 2000s
0: so just to wrap up here i mean like i said one of the most interesting men in pro wrestling history um you know uh multiple promoter multiple booker and we're only a few years in and it's just he's got a very interesting story ash and that's why i wanted to cover this it is some fun stories we got we got some dallas drama some memphis drama um you know uh and and it's i didn't even know i knew a lot about this going in but i forgot about the indiana promotion
1: yeah it was kind of under the radar because he didn't last long there but yeah, so
0: um with 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 that uh we're gonna keep uh this deep dive uh and you know probably at least two parts, maybe three. We'll we'll see we'll see how it goes. Uh but we'll kind of wrap up here. Make sure folks that you if you haven't yet, and I'm sure you have, but if you haven't yet, make sure you like us on Twitter, uh Facebook and Instagram, out on Twitter, rediscovering this Instagram and Facebook. Uh you can listen to us on all the major uh podcast uh, uh services. Um, you know, I, I know we're on Google a podcast. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and others. Um, but uh, yeah, we'll kind of give our plugs here uh, as we were up here. Uh, um, for me, um, you can check me out at Chris Gello on Twitter, uh, Facebook, and Instagram. Uh, I have coming up Empire State Wrestling on March the 5th. Uh, if you're local to the area or it's not a far drive for you, come on out. We got a huge show there including a pretty exciting uh, triple threat match I'm excited for uh between LSG, JT Dunn and Atticus Kogar also uh Kevin Blackwood who is blowing up all over the independent scene right now um recently working for New Japan and West Coast Pro and PWG uh and he's actually wrestling for Prestige soon too. He will be uh defending a title against Kevin Bennett, one of if not the best wrestler in New York State and there's a lot of other huge matchups there that I'm excited for. Uh, but go to Empire State Wrestling, check them out. Um, March 12th, I'll be at, uh, Excite Wrestling for their 10th year anniversary. Uh, be re announcing that. And I know that's going to have Tommy Dreamer versus Colby Carino, uh, among other matches. So that's going to be huge there. Um, and other than that, my March is free. So if you're a wrestling promoter or, uh, you want to book me for comedy, uh, uh, hit me up. I'm very reasonable when it comes to prices. And then, uh, if we have any fans out there doing anything in in for, as far as WrestleMania weekend, I am available. I'm already. I can tell you, I'm re-announcing two shows that I can announce here. I'm announcing Zoa Live on Friday night, April first, in Arlington, Texas, and then Saturday I'll be working uh, the re-announcing the This Is Manly show. Um, and that's going to be in Fort Worth, Texas at Tulips. Uh, the, uh, Zoa live show. That's going to be at all, all out bases in Arlington. So, uh, then that, the, this is mainly shows. I believe it's seven. So come on out. It's, uh, to either of those shows. If you're out there in Dallas that weekend uh, i out, should be having, hopefully have some other stuff. And you are a promoter, whatever message me, like I said, I'm very reasonably priced. um very professional and I will shill your sponsors and merchandise. Ash, what do you got? Um, huh.
1: look at my calendar. Um, by the time the show's out, I will be in L.A. for Game Changer Wrestling, uh, producing this Friday, uh, L.A. Fights on Saturday, GCW on Sunday, or GCW again on Saturday. Um, week after that, you and I both have ESW. Um, week after that, uh, my, my march has... Uh, my march is a lot of Northeast Wrestling. Uh, Northeast Wrestling is running three shows in March. I'll be producing... Two of them, and then uh, the entire GoPro crew will be there on uh, Sunday, March 27th, for the Hardy Boys. Um, and then a few other shows mixed in here, mixed in there. Uh, Texas, I will be in Texas as well. The whole GoPro team will be there. Um, we not sure exactly everything we're doing. We're involved in uh, the collective, we're going to be doing some stuff with uh, WrestleCon haven't really uh, planned it out with the other production teams. We're kind of working together on uh, seeing what works best for travel. So we don't have to like just zigzag across the Metroplex every day. Because
0: it's very big, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. I am learning this mapping stuff out.
1: Yeah. Um, I do have one show independent of that is Zello pro uh, on Friday at 4 PM from the Regalia theater in Fort worth. other than that, yeah, I'm going to be, I'll be producing some shows in the collective involved within WrestleCon and, you know, just what, uh, what Gallo said, if, uh, if you're a promoter down there and want to book a production crew and need to book a ring announcer, get a hold of us or,
0: and also if you oh, sorry. No,
1: or if you just want to, uh, buy us food and alcohol that do that too.
0: Yes, I am looking to enjoy Texas, ladies and gentlemen.
1: Um, A lot of water. I'm looking to
0: work a lot, but I'm looking to enjoy Texas. Uh, um, Also, if you can't get enough of me, you can listen to me weekly on WrestleNomics Radio uh, on the Post Wrestling Network. Uh, Me and Brandon Thurston, we talk about that week's news and uh, ratings and financials and uh, business moves that all the major companies are making. Um, so with that, folks, we want to thank you for listening uh, to another episode of Rediscovering Indies. Thanks once again to Matt Johnson and the Podcast Precinct and the BICPP Radio Network. And Now um, Matt's currently on vacation on a uh, on a cruise boat, so Brian Finch is helping out. So thank you, Brian Finch, for uh, for help, helping out, uh, put all the shows and doing the production uh, side of things. And and Ash, thank you. You are a very busy man, and you put these notes together and you h- help live produces as we're doing this uh via zoom so thank you
1: well thank you for the for the praise uh as soon as we get off here i have to go and finish uh post-producing an mma show and then start packing for la so uh yeah i don't get any sleep anymore
0: (laughs) we're staying busy folks but we're gonna keep bringing these shows to you monthly thank you for listening and remember to support independent wrestling and support rediscovering the indies